Hey guys, welcome to the fourth episode of the GA Zone podcast, and I'm your host, Patrick Sharkey. We are still facing technical problems with the Facebook account, so bear with us, everybody, while we get things sorted. We're back promoting the GA Zone GA discussion group. You can still join it, but it's going to take a while for me to get back on Facebook for me to approve your request. So, yeah, it, it has been tough. We're going to start off with the GA Zone Instagram, where you could follow us with the username at Zone GA with no spaces, where we've been doing a lot of good quality content on it recently. I held a QA on it um, where people Got to know me, Patrick Sharkey, the GA Zone editor as a person and a GA fan. There's been some very good questions given to me and I've answered all of them questions. I'm thinking of maybe turning the GA's Zone Q&A sessions into a weekly thing. Somebody with the username, Matt Hurley01, uh, asked me, What is your most memorable GA moment? Um, I answered it talking about the All-Ireland semi-final in the football where Donegal beat Dublin back in 2014. Um, and Oak Park, it was right in the end of August, good memories of that, and I actually talked about it there on GA Fan TV on YouTube, so if you want to check it out. I was asked, uh, what county are you? I think that user was talking about which county I'm from, and I answered the account honestly saying I am from Donegal, the best county in Ireland, if I do say so myself. I was asked then by an account, uh, what part of Donegal I am from, and I told them I was from Moncrana. It's the best part of Donegal, if I do say so myself, and... Yeah, and, I, and that's why we talked a bit about Punkrana when I spoke to the Donegal hurler, Declan Coulter. You know, it's a, it's a lovely seaside town. An account asked me, what's your name? Yes, it is Patrick Turkey, and I do run the Instagram account, as well as the other social media accounts. Now, an account asked me the question, what age group do you play? But, you know, people just assume I play, which is interesting, but I don't actually play. Now, I made a post on Instagram asking if it was too early for the GA Callow's Cool Camps to... Resume with some good feedback. An account by the username of AJW1169 believes it is not too early to resume the Cows GA Cool Camps. And yes, I totally agree with that. It's time to get the kids back out playing again, especially in rural counties like Donegal. We've little to know Wuhan COVID 2019, you know, coronavirus cases or the Kung Fu as I like to call it. So yeah, yeah, it's good to get the children back out playing. Now, if you go on TikTok, um, you can check out GA Zone with the username. GA zone without spaces. Now, number three on the list of downfalls was the downfall of the drinking culture within the GA. Now, our fir- our guest today will be the London Senior Men's Football Manager, Michael Marr. Um, you're the first ever London-born coach of, you know, the London footballers. Surely that must be a landmark achievement for people like yourself when... You're not exactly an immigrant. You maybe are a descendant of immigrants. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's, uh, it's a real uh, privilege to be be given the opportunity to manage my county. Um, I've grown up here, obviously got um, Irish parents, uh, but it is it's a real honour, and I guess it is a landmark moment for county. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, do you feel you got the role? because of all the good work you've done at club level and on the backroom team, or would it have helped that you were maybe 
London born and London raised on like other ones that might have been immigrants? Um, look, it's a tricky question. I think I've done uh, a lot of work with the underage development squads, um, the under 14 age group, particularly with the failure. But um, I've done a lot of work with round towers at senior level with both the men and ladies. And then last year, I was obviously lucky enough that Kieran Dealy invited me onto his backroom team, and that was a, that was a great experience. So I think that that stood in my favour big time. But um, look, there were some very good people. Um, touted for the job and Paul Coggins did, a, did an incredible job when he was in charge of London before so I knew it was going to be very very difficult going in for the job but I would believe that those things kind of they, they give you great experience and make you stronger even if you don't get the outcome you wanted but um, um, look all things considered I think I had a lot of things in my favour and I was glad it went my way in the end uh now, who do you feel the GA's first foreign president, Larry McCarthy, who's been living in America since 1985, will help grow game GA outside of Ireland? Definitely. Look, uh, when, when he got appointed, I said to a few people here in London, I think that could, that could really stand in our favour. Um, but look, at the same time, he has to be very, very fair to, to every county, um, every province, and make sure that everyone's getting equal opportunity. So um, I don't think we'll get anything um, kind of we, we, I don't think we'll get any more benefits out of it but we certainly won't be overlooked um, and I guess the one thing that Larry will obviously know is the, the, the kind of difficulties that we do have being a, an overseas county trying to compete on a level playing field in competitions back home so um, look it can, it can only be a good thing for us that Larry McCarthy's in um, as the next president uh, Who would you say is the best player on the London football team at the moment? I very tough question there. Look, we've got a lot of very, very good lads there. Um, a lot of players with different qualities. It's always difficult to pick out one individual. Um, but if, you, if I had to pick someone that's done it for a number of years consistently, it would, it would have to be Liam Gavigan, hands down. Like he's, he's an absolutely outstanding footballer. He's an outstanding role model to all young London-born footballers. He's done it at the highest level um, with his club, Tier Connell Gales, year in, year out. And he's performed on the county scene for, for the last number of years now. So if I had to pick one in terms of consistency and what they've done long term for the county, it would have to be Liam Gavigan. But we, we are blessed. We have a really good group of players. Um, and I don't, I don't think we'd be putting any one of them on a pedestal ahead of any of the others. But Liam, Liam's an outstanding lad. Great captain. Very, very easy for a manager to deal with. Um, and a great go-between between the players and management. Jeff, how do you think, you know, the GA should be growing in London as you have 8.9 million people to mess or you know, experiment with the GA with? Um, London's a big a big city, but Gaelic football is still a very, 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 very minority sport in the in the county. Um, there's a hell of a lot of good work going on at underage level with clubs. I do fear that the situation with COVID-19 is going to set a lot of underage clubs back because parents aren't going to be committing their kids to four or five sports a year like they might have done over the last number of years any longer. So when sports do start to come back at grassroots level, I, I just worry that Gaelic football at underage level might struggle for a year or two to get the numbers it has. Um, I'm a big believer that London-born players are ever so important to the county and especially like this year, like we lost seven or eight lads back home to Ireland as soon as the COVID-19 situation happened. Now, most of them have come back. Um, some of them are still at home. We're hoping they will be coming back. Um, but lads that are 
based here in London, that are born here in London and will always be here in London. They're the ones we need to be building the team around as much as possible. Um, obviously, then the Irish lads that move here for work or for um, kind of their living arrangements, um, their partners, there's always going to be a place for, for those players as well. But unfortunately, you just can't rely on them to be here. Long term ones that stay here for the kind of 10, 15 years, they're rare and they are still rare. Um, so we're doing our best to try and give London born lads a platform to, to improve. We're trying to improve the structures for those London born players that come up through the ranks. But make no bones about it. This is Gaelic football is not a sport you see played in every street corner here. It's, uh, it's a minority sport. People are doing a lot of good work, but there's going to be a real tough bounce back situation we'll have to get through now to get Gaelic football back on the map here as well. Now, in the Connacht Championship for the football, um, both New York and London are the two overseas teams that compete there. But is there any other parts overseas that you think could realistically be on the same level of, as ever user New York? Look, there's football being played all over the world. It's obviously very, very strong in, in Australia as well, but um, look, they're, they're in a completely different um, kettle of fish to say New York. New York is reachable within a day. Australia, you'd probably, if, if they were, they were going to be putting in a team to an All-Ireland Championship, they'd probably need a week, a team that went out there, or if they were coming over, you'd probably need a week to get your body right. But um, obviously, look, with us in New York, it's kind of, you can do it readily within a day and be ready to play within a day or two. Um, there's football played all over Europe, from what I understand as well. So there are, there are places in the world that are taking part, whether they'd have the infrastructure and kind of the backing and the, the support to, to enter into the, the National League or the Championship, like us for New York, I don't know. We're, we're very lucky here. We've got a lot of good Gales in London that support Gaelic football. There's a very good county committee, obviously. We have an outstanding county ground. I think our county ground is one of the best in Ireland, let alone outside of Ireland. It's one of the best in Ireland. I think the pitch won. It, well, it was in the top three of pitch of the year a few years back. So a lot of good work has gone into that. Um, I think we've got a great infrastructure here. Obviously, New York has got a good infrastructure. Um, I just think other places in Europe might struggle slightly with the lack of infrastructure. And then Australia may be a bit too far away. But look, never say never. Um, now, your predecessor, Kieran Dealey, was a huge advocate for a second-tier championship for football. And since his departure, the GA have introduced a second-tier championship. What do you think of the format they've given for it? Look, there was a lot of talk about it, giving teams an extra two games and the way it is, is knockout. So you go into this, if you go into the second tier, it's therefore a straight knockout. So um, it doesn't give you, it doesn't guarantee you any extra games. What it does, it, it kind of guarantees you games against teams that are in a similar place to you. So obviously division three, four teams that don't make their provincial finals, they fall into tier two. So rather than kind of maybe getting unlucky in the first round of a, traditional qualifier and drawing a, a Division 1 team who might have lost their first provincial game um, you, you have you know if you fall into the Tier 2 you have a chance against a team of a similar level to you um, look I'm a firm believer you need to be playing teams of your own level um, to, to kind of develop as a, as a county so I, I'm, a, I'm an advocate of the Tier 2 situation it's a, it's a shame that it doesn't guarantee you kind of a couple of qualifier games um, but at the same time, you do fall into that knowing you, you've got a really realistic chance of drawing a team that you, you can beat, whether it be home or away. Whereas, obviously, as I said, look, if you, if you came up against Tyrone, if, that, if they 
if they fell out of Ulster at the first hurdle and you, you got drawn away against Tyrone, that'd be a very, very difficult game to, to go into having lost kind of your first Connacht Championship game. Um, now, London was rock bottom of Division 4 before COVID-19 struck and the games had to be postponed. Where did it all go wrong this season? Um, I don't think it look, it, it definitely didn't go, go wrong as such in terms of the group. We had a very, very unlucky situation um, uh, before Christmas. The, the group we've got together, I maintain we have a very good group there. Um, the group we got together in a good place going into Christmas. On the 23rd of December, we got a call to say we, you've got no training venue in January. So over the Christmas period, myself and our liaison officer, we made the guts of 70 phone calls trying to find somewhere to train in January. Um, so when we got back, we ended up for three weeks uh, a different rugby pitch. We only ever have a rugby pitch to train on here during the winter because we've got no floodlit Gaelic football pitch. So that's the first difficult thing. Um, we then we, we ended up at a rugby club in Staines. Um, it was, a, it was um, not even a full-size rugby pitch. The surface was bad. You could only shoot one way because the other end of the pitch it led onto a field that we had no access to. So if we were kicking that way, you'd have lost balls. It was a nightmare preparing for Sligo. Um, the Sligo game, actually, anyone that looks at the video, anyone that was there, the performance was actually good. We, we conceded two unlucky goals early in the game and that knocked the confidence, like two goals that wouldn't happen again in the season. And in terms of the scores, there was only one, one score difference between the two teams. We then actually got back to our training venue for the three-week period where we played Limerick and we played Antrim and we had a rest week. Um, and they were our two best performances. We went away to Limerick, who I fancy could still win that league. And we only lost by a point and we played very, very well. We missed a, we missed a mark three with minutes to go that would have drawn the game. Had we scored that turnover to kick out, we could have won the game quite comfortably. We then played Antrim in Ryslip on the worst worst day of weather that you've seen. First half, they had the win. We were nine, ten, I think we were ten points down at half time. And we only lost the game by three. It was another outstanding performance. We then got a call again and we lost the training venue again. And we ended up on half a rugby pitch for the rest of the National League line. Training on half a rugby field with 35 men is it's not good enough. It's nowhere near good enough. And we weren't prepared properly going into the, the Wexford game and uh, the Wicklow game. And whilst you've got a good group together, if you can't train right, you can't be expected to be competing with teams that have the venues to train at that these guys do. Like you speak to the Wexford manager, Paul Galvin, and you find out they've got a host of floodlit pitches at their disposal and ferns in their centre of excellence. We're lucky if we have a full-size rugby pitch at the best of time. So some of the stuff was laughable. Like we had keepers taking kickouts from behind a try-scoring zone, telling them to avoid the posts. It was very difficult. So the results don't reflect the squad, the effort that went in. The, the two-week period, as I said, sorry, the three-week period with the two games of Limerick and Antrim, that's what we're best judged on. And I think we'll be a different kettle of fish um, next year when we get a full pre-season under the belt again with the group in its second year. And hopefully we won't lose our training venue again next year. The weather was it was a freak year weather-wise, but it was a nightmare, a nightmare for us and for the players. Now, at the age of 32, you're quite young to be an inter-county coach. How did you get into coaching? Um, my father was always heavily involved with Round Towers and Sean Tracy's Hurling Club growing up. And um, got, kind of got to the age of 16, 17, and games were actually dying off. So like, whilst you're still going down to the field every night kind of training numbers were dropping off for my own age group because lads were losing interest there was no games but with dad heavily involved you'd always be down there and 
he just said one day, when you help train the under 10s or 12s, and you just fall into it. And once I started doing it, I really enjoyed it. Um, I then got a part-time job working in Fulham's academy after doing my first two soccer badges. Did that for a couple of years. Um, went into PE teaching. Soccer then took over, really. I focused heavily on the soccer badges. I got my UEFA licence. Worked at a high level of non-league football for a while. Really enjoyed that experience. Soccer came to an end. And then Round Towers, within a week of leaving the soccer job, Round Towers were looking for a new manager. Met the chairman and um, took it on from there. And had a number of good years with Towers men's. Helped form the ladies team there. Then obviously last year, Kieran asked me into the, the backroom team for London senior team. So kind of it's been a it's been a steady progression, but the right progression. I haven't ever taken a step too far or a job that I felt was out of my comfort zone. So got a lot of experience in a couple of different sports. Uh, the soccer experience was very very good, um, and kind of laid great foundations for for going into Gaelic football. No, you are you a license holder too, and do you ever do you think you'll ever? go into soccer at, again if, if there was the right role in place? Never say never, definitely. Look, it was it was absolutely wonderful time, but um, the last year of management in soccer was very difficult. The club I was at Red Hill, we were on the back of getting promoted. We were in the playoff places. We'd just gone to the last qualifying round of the FA Cup and the club hit the rocks off the pitch. Like, money was gone. Um, we lost the, the chairman, the secretary, um, the finances were gone. We had to we had to lose half the squad because the wages that were agreed for the players had been pulled. I mean, it was crazy. Like myself and the assistants, we ended up washing the kit. We were forking pitches. We were signing on players. We were doing a whole host of things that you shouldn't be doing as a as a manager or a coach. Um, and I was glad to get away from soccer in the end, to be honest. But um, I would definitely look if if the right opportunity came up at a club that's well run and well structured, then. I'd definitely go back into it, but I wouldn't go back in into a situation where I left before. Definitely not, because it, it was it was an impossible task. But um, no, definitely look, never say never. But I'm enjoying the Gaelic football experience. I mean, it's it's wonderful. Um, no, um, what would you say has been your best ever moment as a GA coach, Michael? Um, look, there's a couple. Getting the London job is is one. I'm very very proud of that. And, it's, uh, it's, it was a proud moment. Um, winning, winning our first All Ireland with the under fourteen team back in two thousand and ten was an incredible moment. Um, obviously, then we went on and won six All Ireland failures, and we made the Division One final last year against um, Kilmacud Croaks, and that was that was another amazing moment to, to to be kind of managing and coaching a team that made it that far. Um, I guess. Winning, winning promotion with Red Hill at a young age was was also a brilliant moment. So, a few things there. There's nothing, no one moment really stands out. But a few wonderful moments. Sports given me a lot of good memories so far, and hopefully more to come. No, you would have also had disappointing moments. What would you say would be the most disappointing moment of them all? Um, tough question. I don't think I've ever walked away from anything thinking. I'm really disappointed. I'm a believer that things make you, you kind of learn from the experience. I think losing, losing the last qualifying round game of the FA Cup, that was a, that was a tough pill to swallow. It was a game where we had been well on top of the game. We'd had bundles of chances. Our opponents, Greenwich on the day, had one chance, scored one goal. That was a real 
gutting moment kind of and, and took a while to get over um, in Gaelic football. Um, I, I don't really think there's been too many real disappointing moments, to be honest. Like, there's been a few games where you think you've, you've kind of thrown it away, but, but nothing I'd look back on and be very disappointed about. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of always looking on the positive side of things. Now, you mentioned, you've mentioned before that um, they'll be ready, London will be ready to compete in the Connacht Championship if there is no travel restrictions. Would you know? Um, are you confident that will be the case? Because they're met, county games are meant to be resuming October. Um, look, we'll, we'll be we'll be ready. Um, I I hope there'll be no travel restrictions in October. Like when you look at things, they're going to have to lift that travel ban eventually if they if both countries want to get their economies back on track. Um, they're going to have to kind of open up the the borders and, and allow a bit more movement freely than, than what there is at the moment um, and if there are no travel restrictions and the draw stays the same as commoner do here then there should be no reason that game isn't played in in Reislip. Um but look Ireland have obviously now moved forward quicker they're, they're bringing back training and contact training a lot earlier than had been envisaged and over here unfortunately all, we, all we've got to go on at the moment is you can go back non-contact training in groups of six which is five players and one coach on the 29th of June and outside of that we don't know anything so we're going to be a long way behind and our players are going to be a long way behind obviously lads at home that are getting games in from the middle of July now we've got no date and it definitely won't be the middle of July like we would have been told by now if contact sports could resume by then so look we're going to be a long way behind we'll have a lot of catching up to do but we're used to challenges and we'll be as ready as we can be mm. Now um, who would have inspired you growing up in London like you've You've been quite keen on the soccer and the Gaelic football, as you would have heard. Yeah, um, my father is a huge inspiration. Like the work he did with with clubs that I was playing for growing up, it was it was eye opening. Like he'd get in from a twelve hour shift at work, and he'd have you in the car. Didn't think twice about it. Raising money for the club, doing things that would just help the club keep afloat, giving kids an opportunity to play a sport that he loved and he was trying to obviously then spread that love and, and give kids that opportunity himself. So he was a, a huge inspiration. But um, look, I guess you grow up watching watching teams play. And um, I remember the summer very clearly that Paul Coggins took the London team to the Connacht final. Like that, That's inspirational for anyone involved in county football in, a, in an underdog county like that. That was an inspirational moment for the county to see what the team did that year. They had a great team. And Paul obviously got them to a place where they were good enough to get to a Connor final. So um, that would be a, an inspirational moment. And you'd, you'd have to look up to Paul with what he's done with his club to Connor Girls as well, year in, year out, when he's been in charge of them. So um, there'd, be, there'd, be, there'd be a few people that I'd say have definitely kind of inspired me along the way. Now, before we go, what, what, what advice would you give to all the young boys and girls who might want to grow up to play or maybe coach their county someday? Work as hard as you can, but be true to yourself. Work as hard as you can as, as players. I'm a big advocate on practicing your skills non-stop. Like winning and losing will, will be part of the journey. But if you if you refine your skills um, to the to the best level you can possibly get them, um, get your fitness gradually as it comes in along the way. Take the game seriously. Respect the game. Um, you, you'll never not fulfil your potential if you kind of look after all the things that are within your control. And I guess, look, as a coach, it is, again, it's, it's being very true to yourself, work as hard as you can, 
stick with your beliefs, even if they're kind of real, real, real mad ideas and you think they can work, make them work, do whatever it takes to make them work. Work as hard as you have to work to get your team as prepared as they possibly can be. Um, but the key for me is man management and being able to speak to players and um, getting players on side to, to believe in what you're saying. Look, if, if kind of the tactics you lay out are wrong on the day, if you've got the players giving 100%, you can look back and say, we did our best. Um, you can hold your hands up and say, I got it wrong. But if you don't have the players on side and the players haven't been able to give 100% or given 100% for any reason, you'll always walk away from a job and wonder look what could have been. So you've got to get the players on side. And once you've got them on side, stick to your guns and um, just always be, always, be, always be open to learning. There's never, I don't think in sport there's ever a real right or a real wrong way of doing things. I think there are different ways of doing things. But as long as you've got the group believing in what you want to do, I think you've got a chance of success. Here at and we'd like to thank Michael Maher for taking the time to sit down and talk to me. I found the interview with Michael Maher was a very interesting one where he gave good insights into coaching an inter-county team at a relatively young age of 32 and the difficulties for teams abroad compared to home here. I also thought it was interesting how he started off coaching Gaelic football, went to soccer and is now back coaching Gaelic football. Now, I hope you enjoyed episode 4 of the GA Zone podcast. I'm going to close out the episode with a song called Diode from Switch, who also do the GA Zone podcast's intro and outro. Before I go, I'd like to announce that the GA will announce its revised 2020 championship fixture plan tomorrow and a football backdoor will not be included. A meeting of the GA's management committee on Thursday night rubber stamp plans to launch the new fixtures template. A press conference will be held Friday morning to have clarification on further details of the eagerly awaited revised roadmap. There were some challenges around seamlessly blending in competitions such as the All-Ireland Under-20 Hurling Series. The process may have been complicated further by the fact that the GAA is still awaiting word from the Northern Ireland Executive on return-to-play protocols. Least GA have confirmed their plans for the staging of the club championships up until largely stick with the proposed structures and dates outlined two weeks ago. The plans were ratified at a meeting on Wednesday night and the county board opted not to bring forward their proposed schedule in line with the GA's revised dates for the restart of competitions by two weeks from July 30th to July 17th. The structures and timeframes for the Least Senior Championship is set to largely remain in place with the only exception being the elimination of one round in the senior hurling as previously outlined, so some county boards aren't happy with Crow Park. The Leeds Senior Football Championship is set to remain as is, with the full 11 weeks being utilised for the season. It had previously been proposed that the Senior Football Championship final will take place after the end of the inter-county season, but instead the final will be brought forward to the weekend of October 3rd and 4th. The weekend of August 27th to 30th will now stage round 3 of the Senior and Junior Football Championships, as well as the Hurling Championships. The Leeds Senior Hurling Championship will see one round gone with the final being placed in the last week of September. This change means that only two teams would advance to knockout stages from four team groups as opposed to three teams. This effectively eliminates the need for a quarter final and allows the Leeds Hurling Championships to be played over five rounds instead of six. The Hurling Championship will be played over a 10 week period.